Welcome to the Echo Community Church Podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the message. Uh, Let's move into the teaching series. Together, we're growing. That's our teaching series. Last week, we talked about my spiritual journey. Today, we're going to talk about something you're excited about beginning of the year, fitness. Yeah. How about, okay. I lost you all already. Uh, that's, this is public speaking 101. Disassociate from your audience in the first 30 seconds, right? If you want all the behind-the-scenes details, research, uh, works that I cited and things I looked at, you can scan that, download it to your phone, use that for study throughout the week. We're going to talk about spiritual fitness today, but not all of you were here last week, so I need, we need to review. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth, we're on a spiritual journey, and it's the same journey. And it's a journey of, and I gave you a three-syllable word last week. Did anybody remember what it is? Christ's likeness. You will hear this for the next... 25 years from me, Christ-likeness. At Echo Community Church, we are passionately committed to being and making disciples. What does that really mean? I think, I know, you can take, well, how do we make disciples? Well, the easiest, well, discipleship, fantastic. Well, what does that mean? I think you can put an equal sign between discipleship and that three-syllable word. Christ-likeness. If you're a disciple of a musician, you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to live your life in such a way that you resemble the life they live. If you're a disciple of a certain successful salesperson or a professor or a, a boss or an employer that you have or you know, somebody on, on, on the internet that's very successful, if you're one of their disciples, how do you know? Your life, your business decisions, your fitness starts to resemble theirs. So a disciple of Jesus, how do I know whose disciple you are? Whose life do you resemble? So a disciple is on a journey towards, what's the long word again? Christ-like. Let's say it together. It's a journey of Christ-likeness. Let's say it again. I wanted to get it into your heart. It's a journey of Christ-likeness. A little more specifically, some of you are thinking, that's a pretty high bar. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He's very shiny. He's very bright. I'm not talking about trying to resemble the divine Christs. I agree. That's a bar we can't reach. I'm talking about that my life resembles the life of Jesus as recorded by the eyewitnesses in the Gospels of the Bible. I'm talking about the life Jesus lived when he was fully divine but fully human. I can relate to that. He gets us. Have you seen those campaigns on TV? I think they're powerful. The he gets us campaign, YouTube it later. But the life that I'm, my example, the life I want to resemble is how did human Jesus live? How did he deal with all the same temptations and pressures and expectations, and injustices, and in fact, probably a lot more of all of those things than I do. How did he deal with all that, and yet he was completely, perfectly loving at all times? He was a faithful friend. 
He was always obedient to God. Every time he had a choice, he chose obedience to God. He was absolutely wise. He knew when to speak up and when to be quiet. He knew when to ask questions and when to ask statements. He was motivated by meeting people's needs perfectly. I don't know about you. That is a life I would like to live. That is a life I would like to come out of me naturally. That is the type of person I want to be. And even more so, that's the type of person I want to be around. I want to be around a person that's loving of me when I'm at my best or when I'm at my worst, that knows when to speak up or be quiet around me, that knows how to be wise to me, that's attentive to my needs and put, is even willing to put my needs above theirs. That's the person I want to be around, and that's the person I want to be. That person is Jesus, but it's a journey. Discipleship is, it's a process. It happens gradually. I don't know about your story. 39 years ago when I got saved, What happened immediately was my sins were forgiven. The Holy Spirit, all of him came and lived inside of me. I was made right with God through Jesus. My name was written in the Lamb's book of eternal life. But you know what didn't change immediately? I was not immediately the spitting image of Jesus. It's been a 39-year journey. And it wasn't like we all want the stock market to be, like just always kind of slowly on this. There's some this in my life. At any moment, you could compare yourself to who Jesus was and be like, oh man, I, I fall short in that illustration. I fall short in that area. I, but listen, what I can tell you is that if you look back at my life 39 years ago and you take a snapshot of my spiritual health every six months over the last 39 years, you have 78 snapshots. What I can tell you in humility, and I hope you can say this of yourself, that if you compare today's snapshot to 150 snapshots ago, there's growth. I'm a little bit more like Jesus today than I was two years ago, four years ago. I'm a little bit more loving. I love a little bit more like he does. I understand my purpose a little more clearly, just like he did. I'm more aware of the temptations around me, and I'm able to resist them with more faithfulness than I could three or four years ago. My appetite to know my father better looks more like Jesus's did today than it did seven years ago. I hope you can say the same of you. It's not just about where you are today. It's about understanding where you are today versus where you were two years ago, three years. Some of you haven't even been saved for two years. But I hope you can say, but I'm seeing growth. Well, how do I know? How much are you more closely resembling Jesus's life today than you were a couple years ago. So we see this progress along the way. We're all on a spiritual journey, all of us, every one of us. We're either moving in the direction of Christ-likeness or we're remaining and pursuing this idea of the best version of myself. You're moving in one of two directions. For me, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I am committed to a journey of Christ-likeness. And we talked a little bit last week about, well, how does that happen? How do the pieces of my life get put together that way? Well, we, we answer that. Holy Spirit does that. He is the one who is constantly, gradually fitting the pieces of me together in the way that helps me to resemble Jesus. In other words, it's not through my own effort. It's through the Holy Spirit's work. It's not through my own effort on me. It's through his work in me. Well, what's my role in the process? Cooperation and surrender. Or another way, my role is just to say okay every day to the Holy Spirit. Okay. When I feel him putting his finger on something in my life, I just say, okay, I'm not going to resist. I'm going to cooperate. The way you slow down your spiritual growth is by resisting God on stuff. 
I don't, not yet, maybe later, I don't like it. That's resisting him. That can slow down your spiritual growth. But when you say, okay, I surrender, that's how he puts us together. So we're all on that journey. It's gradual, happens over time. Our job is to cooperate and surrender to the Holy Spirit, and his job is to make us into the image of Jesus. That's how this whole journey works. We're all on that journey. Here's where we fall short. We, have, we don't do a really good job of knowing how to tell how healthy we are spiritually. We know some questions. Are you reading your Bible? Well, you have one of two answers. What are they? Yes or no. And that may or may not be helpful. You know, are you going to church? Are you holy? How much are you sinning? It breaks down pretty fast. If we all agree that we're on a journey of Christ-likeness, it would be pretty helpful for us to know, well, where does that happen and how do I know if I'm moving towards health or not? And that's what we want to go after today. And I promise you, if you'll just dial in today, this will help you, this will change you, this will encourage you. There will be a hunger to know God more than has ever been lit in your heart before, or it will reignite a passion that's gone dormant. If you'll just lean in and listen in to, to, to what we're going to share today. The primary text is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, uh, you, know, down, you know, log on in 1 Timothy chapter 4. You could go old school like me and actually turn there. Uh, this is not a trick question. Who wrote 1 Timothy? Paul did. Who did he write it to? This is the easy one. Timothy. They had a cool relationship, didn't they? Some of you know about the relationship. How did Paul know Timothy? Who was older? Okay, so that made Timothy the younger one. When Paul met Timothy, we studied in an Acts. I, I won't go through the whole story, but Timothy was a young man in one of the towns that Paul visited on his missionary journeys. And Paul made a strong connection with Timothy, Timothy's mom and grandma. And when Paul revisited those, those cities later on, he learned more about this young man. There was a call. They recognized a call on Timothy's life by God to go preach. He was really young at the time, but Paul just invested in this young man and and Timothy was invited to travel with Paul. Paul mentored him and, and got him started. He discipled him personally and eventually set up Timothy to be pastor of a church at a very, very young age. And so uh, we get these awesome letters that have been preserved for us that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in this passage that I'm going to read to you this morning, um, in this passage I'm going to read to you this morning, it's Paul writing to Timothy, telling Timothy how to teach his congregation. He's saying, here's some solid teaching you need to pass on to the people you're leading about spiritual health. They'll put this up on the screen and let me read to you from 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He says to Timothy, this is what you should teach the people. Don't waste time arguing over godless idea and old wives' tales. In other words, what he's saying is, Timothy, there's some things you could spend time teaching people that's just a waste of their time. I want you to know I never go to the Lord during the week and say, God, give me something to share with the people that will bore them and will be a waste of their time. That's what I want to share. Not a day of my life. I have, in May, I will have been a pastor 25 years, which means I will have been a pastor now. I am now in the point where I have been a pastor more than I haven't been in my life. That is sobering to me. And I am more committed to ever before that if you are going to honor the Lord and invest in yourself to give him 90 minutes of your week on a Sunday... I commit to you, I recommit to you that every time I go to the Lord, in my heart is going to be, what do you want to say to your people that will help them? I want to help you. And I need God's help to help me help you. 
And Paul says the same thing to Timothy. Don't waste people's time by talking about things that don't really matter. I wish every one of us who are pastors would grab that in our heart. This is not a platform for us to talk to you about the things that are on our mind or on our heart. What is on God's heart for you? And I just want to be an instrument to bring that to you. Instead, here's what you should talk about. Train yourself to be godly. This is just hitting me now. Never caught this before. Who does train yourself? Normally when I think someone tells me to to be trained, I got to go get a trainer. Isn't it cool that God says, you don't need some special human trainer to train you to do this. Train yourselves to be godly. Now that sounds like Christ-likeness, doesn't it? Physical training. Here's the favorite part that I'm not teaching about today. You ready? You excited? These next four words. Physical training is good. Aren't you glad that's not today's message? But I will say, don't ever think that God doesn't care about the way you treat his temple. I I know that's one of the, there's a lot of things I can preach about that you think are controversial. It's not. These are the ones that are controversial. Pastor, we want you to hear about, you talk about uh, LGBTQ and gender identity. Okay, yeah, we have and we will. And as it comes across in the Bible, we'll teach. The Bible hasn't changed, so I'm not worried about that message moving. But you know where people really get bothered? Start talking about their diet. Start talking about exercise. Start talking about the way you treat your own body. Start talking about their money and their, their entertainment. And their, then people, oh, pastor, don't talk about that. Talk about, you want me to talk about that other stuff because it doesn't convict you. I don't need the doctor to pat me on the back for all the stuff I'm doing well. I need him to say, listen, if you don't get a handle on this, it'll kill you. Okay. Um, physical training is good, but training for Christ-likeness, godliness is what? Much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Here's what Paul's doing. He's comparing and contrasting physical fitness and spiritual fitness. God cares about your body, your soul, your spirit. He wants you to be fit in body, soul, and spirit. God wants your body to be healthy. He wants your emotions and attitudes to be healthy. He wants your spirit to be healthy. And it's interesting that the God who designed the three-in-oneness of us, because he was inspired by his own three-in-oneness, so he built us in his image, Genesis 1.26, to be like him. There's a three-in-oneness about us. Um, he designed us to get healthy or unhealthy in similar ways. In other words, there's some similarities between physical fitness and spiritual fitness. We learn both of those types of health can improve and will benefit from training. And that's a good That's good. That means you're not stuck with the health you were born with. You can always get healthier. Of course, now because of sin, there's also some limits to that. Our bodies are eventually, unless Jesus comes, all of our bodies are going to conk out. Something's going to knock them out. And we're going to trade this one for a new one and we get to upgrade. Amen? Amen. Amen. It also means that you're not stuck in the same place spiritually. That this is the, this is the most Christ-likeness you can ever enjoy. This is the most hungry you can ever be for God. This is the most satisfaction you can ever have in studying the Bible. This is the most most frequent that you can experience God talking to you in your real life. The good news is that that can improve with training. And a lot of them follow the same methods. 
your, your body and your spirit both get healthy with regular exercise. They both benefit from being, having regular checkups. They both benefit from good nutrition and healthy appetite. They both benefit from being, uh, having relationships with people who can train you or who can go diet with you or who you can just have good conversations with. Both of them benefit from using special equipment that you can have made available to you to help you move on a health trajectory. But there are also some differences between physical fitness and spiritual fitness. And Paul says this way, physical fitness is good. It's good. But spiritual fitness is what? Much better. Why? Why does he say spiritual fitness is much better? He's not saying do one and not the other. Some of you are already kind of like, well, listen, since it... That's a whole 1 Corinthians message where Paul goes after people. The Corinthian church thought that their physical body now had no relationship or impact on their spiritual condition later. Therefore, they used his license to do whatever they wanted. And Paul said, yes and no. That's a message for another day. We already covered that on Wednesdays, but we can bring that back around later. But why does Paul say your spiritual fitness, your journey in Christ-likeness is much better than your journey to a six-pack? or big arms, or to be able to run 100 miles without taking a break. What, why is it much better? Because why? One's temper. He's saying physical fitness is going to give you benefits that you'll enjoy in this life. He says spiritual fitness is also going to give you benefits you can enjoy this life, and guess what? You can take them with you to the next one. So he says you and I ought to be very interested in pursuing being spiritually healthy. And you're thinking, pastor, an hour into the service, that's all you got for me. I should be interested in being spiritually healthy. I'm here. Don't you have more than that for me? I do. But I want you to understand that your spiritual health can be boiled down into really the relationship between two things and your physical health and your emotional health. Because if I were to ask you the question, well, how do you assess how healthy you are physically? There's lots of different ways, but I'll tell you one that I discovered about 10 years ago. I have to go for regular checkups to the doctor. I don't look forward to, I never, I'm like, I cannot wait. Schedule me four times a year, maybe five. I just love going to the doctor and having all the, well, I'll spare you all the details, but all the different things you want to check up on. But here's what I do know. My doctor's good. And the more regularly that I go, the more beneficial the reports are for me to know not only where I'm making progress, but things that might be creeping up I need to keep an eye on, drift towards sickness. Because that's what, it's interesting, Paul says health depends on training. In other words, health is not the natural progression of life. Without training, your health will decline. Without training, your spiritual life will not drift towards Jesus. If they're going to grow, there is some activity that needs to happen called training. And we're going to talk, well, where does that happen? What does it look like? You'll walk out of here being able to spit it right out, and you'll know. But when I go to the doctor for my, you know, I go twice a year, once for a checkup, once for a physical. And here's what he does. There's a lot of different things that he looks at. He looks at my height. He looks at my weight. He looks at my blood pressure. He hammers my knees with these mallets to see if I kick him in the chin. I don't know why he does that, but he does it. I know there's lots of doctors in here. You can tell me later. He draws blood, and then they look at, like, 
my cholesterol and my sugar level and uh, my cellular populations. He's looking at lots of different things, and he also usually has an interview. Have you had any major life changes? Are there any crises going on? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? What about your diet? What about your exercise? Are you, you know, are you running 26 miles a day? Are you, you know, are you, what are you doing? He asked a lot of questions, and the more questions he asked, sometimes the more irritated I get, but the more accurate the results are. Because if he just looks at my weight, and that's the only thing he looks at, that's not, it might not tell the whole story. For instance, I might go in there and say, congratulations, Phil, you're down to 1,100 pounds. And you'd say, that's not healthy. But what if I told you, well, a year ago, I weighed 2,200 pounds. You'd be like, okay. Because you see what the doctor also has to do? He has to measure where I am today against where I was. And he's going to measure where I am today, not only against where I was, but against a standard. You know, they have this body mass index chart that ruins all of our lives. Like, who fits into that? I know some of you know that you do. Just don't tell us. Just, but there's some standard. And so understand that health, if I said, are you healthy? Is that really a yes or no answer? It's nuanced, isn't it? Well, you know what? I'm making progress in my cholesterol on this, but, you know, my, my knee's a little sore over here. And some of you are thinking, I'm not that way. You haven't hit 40 yet. Wait till you hit 40, and then the answer will get longer. Okay? It's just kind of how it goes. But it's beneficial, and it's helpful. What if I asked you, well, how do you assess your spiritual health? If I asked you today, are you spiritually healthy? How would you describe your current spiritual fitness? If we're honest we'd probably all answer that differently. Because in your mind right now, there's a basis by which you come up with that answer. And I bet there might be a hundred different answers in this room, but how can we ever as a church be committed to helping each other become Christ-like if we don't know how to answer those basic questions together? There can't be a hundred different answers for it. There has to be some simple way that you can begin to look at a number of different things. Some of you would say, well, I'm spiritually healthy because I've gone 28 days without sinning. Great, but is that the only thing to look at? I've, I've not missed church once, or I've, I, I've shared my faith three times this week. Fantastic. But we have to look at everything in a composite, look at it all together. So what if there were a way to give yourself, not a physical, but what if you could give yourself, I don't have a better word, a spiritual, a spiritual checkup? You could train yourself. Good news is the Bible has you covered, and I can show it to you in like 10 minutes. Let me show it to you. You already know this. You just probably, because you're not as nerdy as I am, you probably haven't expressed it this way. But I believe that this will help you if you'll lean in. Give me 10 minutes. If you have something to write with or draw with, this is a drawing exercise. Um, grab it. If you have an app on your phone where you can at least scribble a little bit, get that in front of you. We're going to do this together. Okay, we're going to take a spiritual together. Now, I'm not going to give not your answers out loud. It, I have no benefit to know what this is. You need to know what this is. But let's take a look at this. I will, um, I got to move quickly. If we were a car, and I asked you, well, where does the car go to get so the mechanic can work on it and make it run like it should? You'd say, well, the mechanic shop or the body shop or the dealership or the oil change place. We already said, well, if we're talking about our physical body, how do we get that healthy? Well, I got to go to the doctor. I need a trainer. I need to adjust my diet. Great. When I talk to you about Christ-likeness, okay, when I talk to you about Christ-likeness moving in that direction, where does that happen? Where, 
Where in life, what are the environments where the Holy Spirit can go under the hood with you and make you into Jesus? There's basic, there's at least four. There might be more, but you can't cut any of these four out. There's four places. I gotta give them to you real quickly, real briefly. I've taught on these all before. There's four different activities you can participate in where the Holy Spirit historically has a reputation for doing the godliness mechanical work on us in your exercises. Sometimes we use the word your spiritual, starts with a D. Have you heard that one before? Your spiritual disciplines found in the Bible. What are two right off the top that we always talk about in church? What are two spiritual exercises we want everybody to do? Uh, okay, Bible reading and prayer. Can I, I want to substitute that. Bible reading is good. Bible study is better. You can read stuff all the time that's just drudgery and boring, but if you can study it, it's going to benefit you. So Bible study and prayer. What are some other spiritual exercises? We're about to try one out next week. Fasting. Yeah, right? And here, here, it's just like anything else. There's some exercises you naturally like, some you don't. That's okay. That's called normal. Some of these are going to come easy for you. Some of these might not. Giving, meditation, confession, worship, solitude. There's all kinds of different spiritual exercises. Spiritual exercises are one of the environments where the Holy Spirit works on us and makes us like Christ. Another thing, relationships, people. You want to get your body physically healthy? You need a doctor. Someone who knows more about your body than you do, how it works, what it needs to be healthy. You probably need some people around you that are very supportive of your healthy lifestyle that you can talk to, that inspire and encourage you, keep you accountable. You can bounce ideas off each other. You can share successes and failures. And whether you realize it or not, there's probably somebody in their life who looks to you as their example for how they should be healthy. Spiritually, same thing. You need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. You need somebody you can go to spiritually that you trust to give you guidance when you need it, that knows you personally, that can speak in your life, that could tell you no or yes, go for it or wait. I don't know if I have that person. Okay, who's the first person you would call if you were in a spiritual crisis and you needed prayer right now? Who would you call? Well, that person probably is one of those Paul figures for you. Now, if 98 of you say it's Pastor Phil, this is not going to be very effective because even Jesus could only handle 12. When I say could only handle, you're going to get into theology with me, but he handled 12. That's a lot to be that vested in. We need that person. You need a Barnabas. You need a workout buddy. These people might be spouses, parents, siblings, friends. They just have to have those characteristics, and you need to be intentional about leveraging the spiritual part of that relationship. You can be friends with another Christian for 20 years and never have one spiritual conversation. It's not really a Barnabas. That's a buddy. And Barnabas is somebody that that's also part, that's on limits in your conversation. And, whether, you know, and then you also need, you should have somebody in your life that you are being a Paul to them. For some of you, you didn't get to, Choose this, you were assigned this. It's called your kids. And whether you realize it or not, they are Timothys to you. And they're looking to you actively and passively to understand how their life can resemble Jesus' life. And relationships are one of the other environments where the Holy Spirit does that work of making us like Jesus. Then you have experiences, moments, breakthroughs. 
specific moments in your life where you and God encounter one another in a very personal and unmistakable way. It's memorable. It shapes you. Um, ones that many of us could share. The mo- when I was saved, I remember where I was. Or I'm- How many of you remember the moment you were saved? Do you go back to that moment a lot? I do. Remember it. Could describe it. Won't because the time won't describe it this morning. Um, I'm going to grab a microphone, Suba. I'm calling an audible here. Uh, I don't even know where it went. Um, then there's gospel moments. That's a, that's a, so we talk about God moments. There's big ones. There's little ones. I, was, I had one yesterday. I'm sitting in a church with my family, listening to a huge figure in my life retire from being a pastor. And I'm listening to the five or ten minutes in which he described what he was feeling as he looked back over his life of ministry. I'm still chewing on that today. God stirred my heart in a way he's done maybe once or twice in my life. It was very surreal for me. I'm trying, I'm a little disconnected today because it hit me so deep and it stirred me so much. It was a God moment for me. It was an experience in my spiritual journey. I'm thankful that I'm not so dull that I miss my dad talking to me. Well, how do you do that? You just have to practice it over a long time. You know when you know that God's talking to you. And I knew. Then there's these things, experiences called gospel moments. Suba had one of them. This morning, just a few minutes ago, and Wes, that she just told me about like 30 minutes ago, that I said, you know what, let's just, can you share this while this is fresh? Gospel moments are those moments where you recognize God opens an opportunity for you to talk to an unbeliever about your story or Jesus' story. Gospel moments. Can you share about what happened this morning? Um, It was Gwen who brought um, this person at the end of first service. Um, I was chatting with Kathy. She said, do you have a minute to pray for Frank? I said, absolutely. So Frank says that he he was uh, in the Ikea parking lot, and the the Holy Spirit must have tugged on his heart this morning. Yeah. He's in Ikea's parking lot I this morning. I don't know when he was. But he was but in Ikea's parking lot. He was lot. Ikea Apparently parking Apparently God lot. speaks there. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I know that it's been a year and a half since, since he's been in church. And okay. so he decided to Google a church. He found that the closest one was here. The closest and, one to Ikea was here. Yeah. And um, he uh, came to this church for the first time today. This morning. This okay. morning. He... Uh, heard your message in the first service, and he said, he's right, I have apathy. And then he said in his own words that um, there was a fire that was lit in his heart, and he responded um, to that message. And, um, you know, he must have met Gwen, and, and Gwen said, can you pray for him? And he rededicated his life to Christ this morning. Praise God. Um, yeah. So, and then I said, so will I see you next uh, Sunday? He said, I'd like to come on Wednesday. Hey, so. even better, right? <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Suba. Thank you. Um, you'll never convince me that God doesn't have strategic purposes for where he places things. He knew someone would sit in that parking lot, do a Google search, and he needed to put a church that taught the gospel to be the first one that popped up. So, experiences. I want her to share because I want you to all have a God moment as you heard that. Okay? Uh, And then a fourth way the Holy Spirit works on us is by using the equipment that he gave us to serve him. He's given you all a spiritual gift, at least one. And when you know what it is or what they are, 
then you can be active or inactive in using those gifts to bring God's presence in the life of others. So let me show you how it all has to do with how your two things relate to each other. Two things. We'll close with this, okay? Spiritual health, spiritual growth. Quite candidly, vocational health, career health, they all work along this way. It's all about the relationship between two things. Here's how you assess yourself. Here's how you take a checkup. Your activity and your appetite. Your activity and your appetite. Um, we'll put these up on the screen. Those of you who are listening on podcasts or, or watching online, we'll, we'll reinforce this with some images. But if you have paper, um, can I use some nerdy uh, math words? We're going to draw two axes. Here's the x-axis in your life, okay? This is the activity axis. And it has two extremes. These are not meant to be rocket science. On the one extreme is totally inactive. I don't do it. It's not happening. Zero percent of my life involves this activity. Other side, you guessed it. Active. It's happening, ongoing, daily, regular, recurring. It's going on. There is action here. There is activity here. Okay? Any one of these areas in your life, I will tell you, 99% of the time, you get to decide where you are on this thing. It's called taking responsibility. Now, that in and of itself is going to make you feel unnecessarily good or bad. But there's something else that relates to that. Because you realize you can be actively involved in something, and yet you're not really experiencing the desired results. There's another thing we need to consider that the Bible talks about when it comes to getting healthy, and that's the why axis, and I call this the appetite Let me give you some other synonyms to help you. That means your desire, your want to, your hunger, your motivation for. Bible talks a lot about appetite, and all I can tell you, well, Pastor, what do you mean by appetite? What is it exactly? You're going to have to think about this because I can't preach it this morning. Appetite or desire, is the awareness of absence. When are you hungry? It's when you are aware food in your belly is what? Absent. Now I'm hungry. You know when you're not hungry, when you have no appetite, when you have no desire? It's when you ate way too much. Your belly is really full. We can put food all around. It's the fifth trip to the buffet. You don't even want to see it anymore. There's no appetite because there's no absence. Spiritual hunger sounds like there's still vacuum in my heart. I want Jesus to fill. That's where it starts. I wish I could preach a whole message on that. Tim Keller's preached like seven of them, and I linked them so you can listen to all of them. All right. How do we, pastor, this is very nerdy. I know it is. My kids, I'm sorry, man. What did you feed your kids this morning? It's like, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's your turn? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no shame. My boys are in Bel Air, so they're probably on someone else's screen today. How do we use all this? How do we use all this? I want this to help you. Spiritual health, here's how you give yourself a checkup. I can make it this simple. 
Are you currently, and do you want to? Are you? Do you want to? Or ask it this way. How much do you desire? You fill in the blank out of any one of those four environments we're talking about. How much do you desire Bible study in your life? Pastor, the right answer is I want it more than my next breath. The true answer is I, I really don't like reading. Okay. That's a more helpful answer than I know I should be reading four chapters every day, and I really mean to, and I feel bad that I'm not, but I just can't get started. And every time I think about it, I feel worse. And then when I feel bad and I don't do anything, I want to ignore it. And then when you talk about it on Sunday, I feel not really helpful. More helpful is I, I, I know I should, but it's not happening. Now, we've got some type of a direction here. So let me show you how you can use this. Let's take Bible study. You do this on your own. Start here. How would you describe your Bible study right now on the activity line? Is it active? Is it daily? Is it at least regular? Is it, is it hit or miss? Is it sporadic? Is it hot and cold? Is it infrequent? Does it never happen? Do you not even know where to start? You be honest with you. You find where you are here. Do this now, in your brain or on your paper. Okay, And you say, okay, I think I'm probably right about here. This is where I put myself. Great. Second question. How much do you desire Bible study in your life? Do you think about it a lot? Do you really want to do it? Do you crave it? Do you look forward to it? Is it a high priority in your life? Or is it down here somewhere? I don't. I don't really look forward to it. I don't think about it a lot. I don't crave it. Decide where you are and give yourself, okay, if, if you're here on the active and you're here on the desire part, then just drop the key to your big Sharpie and just write, you can put a star, um, Bible study. I said this in the early service. Uh, I was abbreviating it BS during the week. Don't do that. I felt really bad about doing that. And I thought that's terrible. I should not do that. So now, Here's what happens. If you're in the, each, it's going to put you in one of these four quadrants. This is not meant to be science. I know it sounds that way. But it's going to tell you something. They'll show you on the screen. If you, this is where I'd put Bible study for me. And I'll be honest with you, Bible study is easy for me. You know the easiest quadrant out of all of them and anything is up here. When it's something healthy to do that you really want to do and you are doing, that's the easiest stuff to do. If you crave kale, God love you, Suba. You know, God love you. I know I should be eating more kale, but it's hard when I don't like it. It's easy when I say, you know what? I eat salad and I eat gluten-free, taste-free, calorie-free, mass-free food, and I love it. That's easy. That's called appetite with activity. And appetite, healthy appetite with healthy activity leads to health. And if you are there in your Bible study, here's what you should do. Number one, thank God that you're there. And number two, be careful you don't get prideful. Because that's the one thing that will drag you out of the healthy part of this really fast. Is when you say, yep, I'm a Bible study master. I know a lot, 
And if you don't know that I know a lot, I will tell you that I know a lot, right? But the healthy place in any way in life, you want to get physically healthy, when you really want to grow and have a healthier diet and you like the taste of the food that you're eating, it's perfect and it tastes better than the junk food. That's where we all want to be. We don't all live there, but that's where we'd like to be, right? Now, let's look at something else. Let's talk about, like, uh, equipment. You have a spiritual gift. Maybe some of you say, you know what, I, and I said, and I asked you this, how active or inactive are you in using your spiritual gift right now? And now here's a caveat, to bring God's presence into the lives of others. And you say, well, I have been serving on the same ministry team at Echo for the last 22 years, even though the church is only 11 years old. I've been on the team that long. But it's drudgery. I've been serving all these years, and it has drained me. It is dull. It is a burden to me. I have no desire to do it anymore. But by God, I'm doing it anyway. And you'd say, serving right now for me is right here. Okay, this is called activity without appetite. Now, there is, this is a very nuanced place to be. Because you know what you call it when you do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. When you do the healthy thing, even when you don't want to. When you drag your carcass out of bed to go to a job that pays you too little that you don't even like going to. You know what that's called? It's called discipline. And we all need some discipline when desire lags behind. But if you drag your carcass out of bed for 30 years to go to a job that you hate and you have no desire to continue, you know where you're going to end up? This is where this place ends up. It ends up in a place called fatigue or burnout. Now, There are times in the Bible where God holds up examples for us of people who did not feel like doing the right thing, but they did it anyway. And sometimes you need discipline. Because otherwise we just say, this is, because this sounds like this side over here. We say, only do the spiritual things that feel enjoyable to you. Now that sounds like pleasure-seeking. Have you been with Jesus long enough to know that not everything is in the enjoyable category? That's why there's no enjoyable on here. Because guess what? A lot of things up here are difficult. Yay. They're painful. When Jesus said, I don't want to be, have the flesh stripped off of me. Whose turn? Someone else's turn. Anybody? Anybody? We won't, okay, we won't watch. I'll turn my head and you leave. It's not the walk of shame. Go take care of your kids. All right? It's because my wife is out of town today. I don't know what the kids are like. Yes, freedom. Let's go. But um, if, you, if you don't ever develop a hunger and a desire, you will drift towards burnout. That is empty. When people say, yeah, I study my Bible, but it is boring. I read my Bible, but I get nothing out of it. I have been serving on the same team for the last 20 years. I've forgotten why I'm here. I've forgotten what it's all about. It leads to burnout. It leads to fatigue. When you exercise and never eat, you get tired and burnt out. And so if you find yourself here today in any of these, and here's what I'm driving. I don't have time to do this. 
the more of those areas you can ask about and the more of these things you can fill in, the more beneficial this will be. Because what you might find out is, yeah, you've got some things over here. You might have some things in all the categories. Bible study is here right now in this season of my life. Serving might be here. Fasting might be here. I know I should, but I'm just not. And it might be down here. I don't want to, and therefore I'm not. Spiritual growth is really about those things. Understanding whether you want to or you don't, and whether you are or you aren't. And getting your appetite and your activity to become aligned. There's just that unique relationship between the two. You might say, uh, you know, hey, when it comes to having God moments in my life, oh, I want that. I want to hear God's voice. This, I hear this all the time. I want to hear God's voice. I want to experience his presence. But it's just not happening at the frequency that I want to. And so when it comes to, to my experiences, like God moments, they're over here. I really want to see them happen. I want to experience, and I hear this all the time. I don't hear a lot of people, you know what? I'd like less of God's presence in my life, less of his love, less of encouragement. I, you know, I just, he's been bothering me too much. I wish he'd just kind of go away and let me know. But it's just not happening. Well, there's a lot of reasons you can end up over here. Sometimes it's excuses. Sometimes it's laziness. You know, I know I should, but I'm not. I know I should read my Bible, but I don't. I know I should be talking to people about my faith, but I don't even know how to explain it to myself, let alone somebody else. You might have a lack of knowledge. But I will tell you, if you get stuck over here, at least it's something called lethargy. This is where you've got a healthy appetite, but you're not working out. And if you do that physically... You're taking in more than you're moving. You're going to get slow. You're going to get tired. You're going to get lethargic. Well, what do I do if I'm here? Today, you take one step activity. One step. There's something in your life you want to do and you're not doing it. What's holding you back? Take one step today. One step. Well, pastor, that makes it sound like if I have no activity and no appetite, you're saying pick activity first. Yes, there's a hierarchy. Act. When you're getting started and you don't have a lot of traction, start with activity. Let me make it make sense to you. I'm asking you, if you do it the other way, you're saying, I should, I should crave something before I try it. That's not how it works. You don't just say, you know what, I will eat kale as soon as I crave it. You won't ever crave it. Trust me. Taste and see the Lord is good. How can you crave more of his goodness until you've experienced it? The tasting is the activity. The seeing and the realizing and the craving is the appetite. If you're not, if you're stuck here, do one thing today. Today, confess it to God. God, I admit that I don't crave this like I should. I admit that in my heart I've been lacking in the effort. Help me. I have a conversation with your Paul or your Barnabas. Don't dump it on your Timothy. Talk to a Paul or a Barnabas in your life. Move somewhere. Here's the place I don't want you to be because this is danger. When you have no activity and no desire, this is danger. This is apathy. And this eventually is death. I'm not trying to make this overly complicated. I don't expect you to remember all of that. You know what I do hope you remember? Activity and appetite. I hope of those four different environments we talk about, there's at least a couple things within those. There are probably dozens and dozens and dozens of points that you can include in your spiritual checkup. But as you do this, there's always hope. 
You see, the Old Testament, all it could do is tell you where you were wrong, and it could give you no solution. So Paul says, the old law could just show you how little of an appetite, how bad of an appetite you had and how inactive you were. But it could never show you. The new covenant, Jesus says, I can show you where you're broken, but I can also show you how to get healthy through me. You can really boil it down to, if, if I asked you how spiritually healthy you were, it would sound like this. How actively are you pursuing Christ-likeness? Second question, how much or how little do you desire for your life to resemble his? And then the more detailed you get, the more helpful that this becomes to all of us. At the end of the day, I want you to have a deep hunger and desire to be with God, to be like Jesus, to resemble his life. I want you to know how that happens. It happens through the Holy Spirit making you into that, but I want you to know where it happens. It happens when you exercise. It happens in godly relationships. It happens in kind of unplanned, spontaneous moments where God speaks to your heart. You're in an Ikea parking lot, for crying out loud. That's a God moment for Frank. That set up another God moment for him today. That he might have known about, but Suba and Gwen had no idea. They were just here kind of minding their own business in Jesus. And God brought a gospel moment right in front of them. And they were just aware enough to cooperate and say, yes. It happens in using your spiritual gifts to bring God's presence in the life of other people. If there's no activity in those environments, what you're doing is you're shutting down the Holy Spirit's opportunity to get under the hood and make you like Christ. But isn't it helpful when you want to do the things you should do? Right? They have a unique relationship, activity and appetite. Activity will train your appetite. The types of things that you do physically start to coach the food you eat. But the cool thing is that appetite sweetens activity. Yeah, it's something that's difficult, but because I want to be close to Jesus, it adds a sweetness to what I'm doing. Fasting is not entirely pleasant, I'm just going to tell you. If it's all pleasant, you're not doing it right. <laughs> That's why we don't put enjoyable up there because I know, look, going to the doctor is no walk in the park for me either. I don't look forward to it. It is not, I can't wait till it's done. But I do it because I have a desire to be healthy. And that desire sweetens some of the darkness of that activity for me. There's some difficult things on this road. There's some pain on this road. And guess what? There's pain on this road and this road and this road. But when I desire to be with Christ and to live like him, it sweetens. Paul says, I know what it's like to enjoy the fellowship. Hey, I like that. Of his suffering. (laughs) What he's saying is, yes, I suffer for Christ. But because there's a sweetener in this called friendship with Jesus that's increasing, I can still desire Christ. I don't desire to suffer, but I desire the Jesus I'm drawing close to through the suffering. That's the runner that says, I don't like the running, but when I'm done and I get that runner's high, the endorphins are going, I like that, which now I sound like a drug addict. I'm not. I'm okay. I'm good. 
appetite sweetens activity. Otherwise, you just say, I'm reading my Bible and I feel nothing. I'm worshiping and I feel nothing. I'm serving every week, but it doesn't even make me smile. I'm drained. It's not fulfilling. So where are you spiritually? I hope now you have a better answer. And I hope that today inside of you, there's a desire that's in, that you see this hopefully. You know what's fun is if you, you might look and say, well, here's where I am today. Oh, that's bad. No, my question is, well, where were you six years ago? Well, I was way down here. Awesome, you're growing. Yeah, looking at it today doesn't tell the whole story. Where were you and where do you want to go? That's spiritual health. And I pray that you can all make progress today, this week, this month, this year. Team, come on back. Let's move my, which if you looked at this again next week, you'll be like, what does that even mean? I realize, but we'll move that. I hope this is, was this helpful to you? I hope so. I pray so. Um, Also, you will see this probably regularly for the next 25 years because I want to help you not depend on just one person to figure out, to get some spiritual momentum going in your life. And even better, to help your conversations with each other about spiritual growth, to have a deeper vocabulary that we could do more than how are you doing, yes or no? Are you reading your Bible, yes or no? Are you sinning? Are you being holy? This gives you just a deeper conversation, helps you get some momentum. Well, if it's not happening, why not? It's because I, well, I really want to. Okay, then why isn't it happening? Let's get some, well, there's a shortage of activity here. What kind of activity will move you in that direction? Well, it's happening, but it's really empty in my life. Okay, well, then that's, that's, that's an appetite thing. What different way could you approach this that might make it less stale? Is there a different way you could prepare the dish, so to speak, that might add a new flavor into your mouth that makes it, that stimulates that hunger again? Maybe reading through Leviticus for the last eight years has become a little dry for you. <laughs> okay, well then listen to it. Pick a different book. for. I'm reading this chapter of the Bible, I'm getting nothing out of it. Pick a different chapter. Well, it's not in my plan. Pick a different plan or don't have one. Read a little bit of the Bible every day. Where should I start? What interests you? What are you curious about? Start there. But that's not where my plan is. Start where your appetite is. I trust Jesus to take you from there. I can't pray four hours a day. Great. Pray now. Pray tomorrow. Pray on your way home. Movement. I'm just confident Jesus will meet you there. There will be appetite. And my work is done. I've pointed you in the hands of the mechanic. And then we'll just walk together as we journey forward. That's a church I want to be part of. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, if there's anybody like Frank that's here this morning, I know you're drawing them to you. Maybe today's your day to dedicate your life to Jesus and say, I recognize I'm on the path of apathy. I'm not becoming more like the Jesus you talked about today every day. And up to this moment right now, it's because it's been a combination of I'm not actively pursuing him and I've not really wanted to. But I feel both of those two. I feel a new hunger rising up inside of me right now. And I want to act on that. So what do I do? Very simple. You believe and you repent. That's what you bring to Jesus. You believe you need to be saved. You believe he can save you. And you believe he will save you if you ask. If, you're, if all those things are true of right now, that's your core belief. You're right there. You believe that you need to be saved, that you're not in and of yourself right with God, that you, you have sinned, that separates you from God, and you are aware of his absence in your life. Because until you have a problem with his absence, you'll never be hungry for him. And those of you that are following Jesus, here's a word for you today. 
Do not be afraid of your awareness and your discontent with Jesus's absence in your life. That is hunger. Act on it. Embrace it. Draw it into the pantry of the Holy Spirit and allow him to feed that. Second thing you need to do is to repent. And that means to change your mind about the way of, to change your mind about who is in charge of your life, who the Lord is. Up to this moment, whether you realize it or not, you've been deciding how you live. You've done it as you see fit. Entering God's kingdom requires going through the gate of Jesus and surrendering control of the ultimate leadership of your life to Jesus. And I will tell you, he will now take you on a journey of not becoming the best version of you, but of becoming just like him. And if that's what you want, then it's an act of repentance today. You say, I turn away from self-leadership and I surrender to lordship. Believe and repent. Now what do I do? You just say that to Jesus right now. You put into words those beliefs and your desire to repent. And you just tell him in your own words. You can do that right now, right here. And he's hearing you. And he's saving you. He's forgiving you. He's making you new. He's filling you with his Holy Spirit. He's sending his Holy Spirit to now live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit has the responsibility now of making you into Jesus's resemblance. Pastor, can you be more specific? Sure. Jesus, I believe in you and I believe that I've sinned. I believe you can save me. And so I'm asking, please save me and forgive me of my sins. I welcome, Holy Spirit, you in my life. And today, I'm making a decision to give up control of my life. And I surrender to your lordship. And each day of my life, from this day forward, it will be marked by my cooperating with you and my surrendering to you. Of saying, okay, when you mold me and shape me, thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer with me today, you're gloriously saved. Like Frank, your name's been added not only to the book of eternal life, but you've been added to this family. You are our long-lost sister that we've been waiting for you to come home. You're our long-lost brother. All I ask, and this is just a favor, it's not a requirement, but I'm going to count to three. If you prayed that prayer with me today, would you just slip up a hand and make eye contact with me when I get to three so I can just celebrate with you and then you can put your hand right back down. Who prayed with me today? One, two, three. Who prayed that prayer with me this morning? Anybody? Just want to wait, make sure I'm looking all the way around the church, left to right. Awesome. I thought so. It's written all over your face. You can't fake smiles like that. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you're in this family now. Glad you're here today. Glad you took up the invitation. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing my prayers Friday night for salvations. Thank you. Thank you for people in this church who are inviting people to come and hear about the gospel. And thank you for a church that prioritizes being together so that people can not only hear what family sounds like, but feel what family feels like. We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, we'd love to celebrate with you 
and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. Just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com. Thanks so much for listening.